0: Our scripture reading today is from the book of Daniel, chapter 6. I'm reading verses 1 through 13. You can find this on page 812 in your pew Bible. But first, please join me in prayer. Loving God, we have gathered this morning because we want to know you better. Speak to us now through these scriptures. Encourage and provoke our hearts that we may live in ways that bring glory to you, hope to the world. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps stationed throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three presidents, including Daniel. To these the satraps gave account so that the king might suffer no loss. Soon Daniel distinguished himself above all the other presidents and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him and the king planned to appoint him over the whole kingdom. So presidents and satraps tried to find grounds for complaint against Daniel in connection with the kingdom, but they could find no grounds for complaint or any corruption because he was faithful, and no negligence or corruption could be found in him. The men said, "Hmm, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. So, The presidents and satraps conspired and came to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors, all agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an interdict that whoever prays to anyone, divine or human, for thirty days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into a den of lions. Now, O king, establish the interdict and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and interdict. Although Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he continued to go to his house, which had windows in its upper room, up in Jerusalem, and to get down on his knees three times a day to pray to his God and praise just as he had done previously. The conspirators came and found Daniel praying and seeking mercy for his God. Then they approached the king and said, concerning the interdict, O king, did you not sign an interdict that anyone who prays to anyone, divine or human, within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be thrown into a den of lions? The king answered, the thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they responded to the king, Daniel, one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the interdict which you have signed, but he is saying his prayers three times a day. The grass withers, and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever.
1: So we continue now the story of Daniel. It says, When the king heard the charge, he was very much distressed. He was determined to save Daniel until the sun went down. He made every effort to rescue him. Then the conspirators came to the king and said to him, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians that no interdict or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king gave the command, and Daniel was brought and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you faithfully serve, deliver you. The stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lord so that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. And the king went to his palace and slept. spent the night fasting. No food was brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then, at the break of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the den of lions, When he came near the den where Daniel was, he cried out anxiously to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you faithfully serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no wrong. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. The king gave a command and those who had accused Daniel were brought and thrown into the den of lions. They, their children, and their wives... Before they reached the bottom, before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. The word of the Lord. In the early and mid-second century BCE, violence erupted in Israel Israel had been under Egyptian control, but the king who ruled the empire to the north and east of Israel, at the time called the Seleucid Empire, was able to push Egypt out of Israel. The Seleucid ruler was named Antiochus Epiphanes. He thought of himself as a godlike figure, and he was hostile to Jewish faith. And he pressured people because of their faith. Some Jews bowed to the pressure, others rebelled. The leaders of the Jewish rebellion were from a family named the Maccabees. Their rebellion became known as the Maccabean Rebellion. Antiochus Epiphanes responded harshly as an evangelist for Greek Culture. He demanded that Jews worship Zeus, the Greek god. No faithful Jew could do this. Antiochus ordered that scrolls of the Torah be burned. He said that that observing the Sabbath was a capital offense and that Jewish mothers who had their children circumcised according to Jewish tradition were to be killed. Jewish rebels were treated with particular harshness. Burned, dismembered, tortured, murdered. During this time of violence, during this time when choosing faith was risky, during this time when people had to decide did they trust the voice of their own faith or the voice of their culture, it was during this time that the writer of the book of Daniel began to tell stories. And he told strange stories. He told stories of Jews who had demonstrated the courage to be faithful, of Jews who, when caught between the voice of their faith and the voice of their culture, chose to trust their faith. These Jews had lived 300 years earlier during the period of the Babylonian exile. In exile, faithfulness had to be chosen. It was, they found themselves in a foreign culture, in a foreign world, and in some ways hostile to the practice of their faith, and it had to be chosen. So Daniel tells stories of dramatic courage of those who trusted their faith in every circumstance. Some of them that Daniel tells were Some guys with the most unfortunate names, it seems to me, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I said Friday in the E note, I'm so glad my mother named me Tom, (laughs) Abednego. These guys were tossed into a fiery furnace. Their crime, they trusted their faith. And because they lived their faith, they actually emerge from this fiery furnace with not so much as a sunburn. Now, that's a remarkable story. And of course, there's a story of Daniel that we've read this morning. Same crime, he trusted his faith, different punishment cast into the den of lions, and it turns out Daniel too survives the lions, and it's all those who were against him They were the ones who could not escape the threat of the lions. These are strange stories. So strange that there was one Hebrew Bible scholar that I was reading in preparation for this sermon, and he just wondered out loud, why would any preacher bring these stories to God's people these days? Thanks a lot you may be asking the same question you you see part of the challenge of these stories is there's no nuance no uncertainty the good people are a hundred percent good the evil people are a hundred percent evil the foolish people the king who assumes that his word is as important as god's word are a hundred percent foolish It makes the stories fun to read but also a bit unrealistic because we know life is not that black and white even scriptures bear witness to this the faithful of god's people including him including jesus himself they were not protected from harm from violence from death the stories of daniel are drawn with clean lines but real life is complicated so what do we do with these strange stories david lamott is a speaker and a folk singer he lives in the shadow of the appalachian mountains in north carolina and he, He he did a concert for us here at Village a few years back. He has a song where he sings, There's a neon cross on the mountain flashing, Sinner, best beware. Which means someone went to the trouble to run power way up there. These mountains speak to my spirit, he sings, and it kind of blows my mind that someone could look at that vista and think God needs a neon sign. Well, I agree with that. But I also wonder sometimes if ordinary folk like you and me could benefit from some neon signs. Not, not, not crosses planted in the mountain range, thank you very much. Not billboards scattered by the highways. No, I find that offensive, actually, but people. I think that's why Daniel tells these stories. These people are like neon signs that encourage us, particularly when life is hard encourage us because they remind us as a people of faith we've been through hard times before it's not the first time and they also encourage us to trust our faith and the way they encourage us is Daniel says gather around I want to tell you a story you see I think this is unavoidable when when we think that God is in our life. When we know that God is in our life, we assume that God is there to protect us from the difficult times. Now look, I know intellectually, we know that's not true intellectually We know that but in our gut we assume that at least this when difficult times come one of the hard questions for us to push away is the question why did this happen to me why did this happen to those I love they've done nothing to deserve this why didn't God do better God may not be who we think she is if I understand the text these stories testify That God is not one who keeps you out of trouble. As a matter of fact, sometimes God's going to get you in the middle of it. But God is the one who will carry you through. Sometimes when we're in the middle of it, we need a, a neon sign to direct us. And those signs are going to come as people like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and like Daniel... So I've been thinking, I've been thinking of some of the signs in my own life, people I know or know about. I've been thinking about my buddy Brandt. He's been gone six years now, and I still think about him all the time. Brent was the one who introduced me to canoe camping in Canada. He was leading the scout troop, and he took me along for a canoe trip. In in, in our group, there were eight of us. There were four adults and four scouts, and, and all the scouts had a job for the day. They were they, to they gather the firewood, or clean the water, or wash the dishes. And one of the scouts was always the map reader. Now look, these are not the maps that speak to you and tell you, paddle a half mile and turn right. It's not that. These are actually paper maps that you have to read yourself. And that's a skill. And turns out, not every scout in our group had that skill. And so when we'd be paddling across the water, and Brant would ask, say, so do we go this way or do we go this way? And the response was often, can't tell. Well, look at the map. Can't, I can't tell. I knew I had a map too. I knew we were supposed to go this way. And I, I wanted to say, let's go this way. But Brant's response was always, well, let's all gather up. Let's all gather up. We're in four canoes in the middle of a lake and the wind's blowing. How are we ga- Let's all gather up and we'll figure it out together. And that was okay the first time. By the eighth time, I was getting a little impatient. I thought, let's give the map to somebody who can read it. But no, Brant was, uh, let's all gather up. And it took me a while to realize that for him, it was not about where we were going. It was about who we were being. You see, Brant approached every moment as an opportunity for those around him to be a little better than they had been before. And just because you failed last time, just because you didn't figure it out last time, didn't mean you wouldn't get it just right this time. He always gave room. He always did, to be a little better than history would indicate. So, what do you, th- what do you think life would be like if we all live like that a little bit. God puts people in your life who show you what it means to trust your faith. And none of us can figure that out all by ourselves. None none, none of us do. And we aren't being persecuted. I know there are a lot who are saying christians in this country are under persecution that's not true we're not being persecuted nobody's burning our bibles but faith matters every day and faith has to be trusted every day i think of kathy milligan she was one who knew in her heart that the church was more faithful when we treated everybody as a child of God. But when leadership in her church decided there were some folks who didn't belong there, she said, I'm sorry, I can't support that. She wasn't alone, and she and a group of others who had the same spirit in them, they are the reason Village now worships on two campuses. They paved the way for Village on Antioch. Kathy moved away before any of that came to fruition. But when she died earlier this year, she asked that a service for her be held at Antioch so that her last act of faith would give testimony that the grace of God is for all people. We need people, all of us, we need people like that to teach us about grace. So, some of you were here yesterday. We held a service for Stormy Shank. And for those of you who were here yesterday, I'm gonna ask your forgiveness and patience as I wanna repeat a little bit of what was said yesterday because I don't know how to talk about people being neon signs and not talk about Stormy Shank. If you did not know her, when I tell you about her, you're going to assume I'm making it up. But I am not making it up. This woman was a one of a kind. I think theologically we describe her as wacky. She was joyful in every moment. She gravitated toward mischief she she wanted to have a party all the time and needed no more excuse to have a party than just it's tuesday let's have a party and and when she prayed she always started hey fella it's stormy and for for reasons that were mystifying sometimes joy was her constant companion When I came here, the the choir used to process in, some of you remember this, you used to process in at the opening hymn, we don't do that anymore and Stormy's a large part of the reason why because most of the time the choir just comes in singing the hymn you know just singing the hymn but not stormy she would come down the aisle like she's running for office she'd be shaking everybody's hands she was hugging people if she saw children in the pew she'd sit down and talk to them give them lifesavers and she'd start covering one time the opening hymn finished and Stormy was still in the aisle. All, all the rest of the choir was up here in their places. And poor Jean Augustine, he's trying to start the prayer of confession. If we say we have no sin in ourselves, we just see. And Stormy still to and then finally she just walked up the center, up the steps, and went and found her place in the choir loft. She wasn't always gonna be on time, but she wasn't gonna miss. She wasn't gonna miss. Because she could find a reason for joy in every moment. And that was remarkable because more than most she had had her heart broken her father died when she was a little girl her husband died far too young and she grieved him and married again and then her second husband died far too young her only son was killed in Vietnam. In her last days, she would come sit over here and worship. Macular degeneration had stolen her eyesight. She couldn't hear much of anything that was going on, but she couldn't bear to be away from here because she wanted to worship the God who had brought her through all of that. Joy seemed to come easily to her. but not any easier for her than for any of us. Her joy was an act of defiance. It was courageous. And it was an expression of her trust in her faith. I wish I were a little more like Stormy. Only in some ways, only in some ways. I think of Chris Plogue Life gave her a bent-over body and a halting gait and limited eyesight and a wrecked voice that made me wonder if that's what Owen Meany sounded like. And she was here all the time, practicing friendship with those who would risk friendship, with a woman who looked odd and spoke oddly. And she would attend classes here all the time because she was curious and had her own reason for question and her own reason for confidence. And she would sit back in the pews back over there and worship. It was no easy thing for her to get here, but she never missed. She was like a neon sign in persistence. Now look, I could go on, but you get the point. You you could too. You've got your own list of people that God has placed in your life. And if I understand the te- text, Daniel teaches us that there will always be challenges for us between the Christian faith, this Christian faith of ours, and this very unchristian world in which we live. And because that's the truth, we're going to need to choose faith, to trust our faith every day. You're gonna have to, as we said last week, you're gonna have to decide if grace can be trusted, if love can be given, if forgiveness can be offered, if justice can be pursued, and sometimes that's gonna take all you have to give. The Apostle Paul, he suffered more than most. He was in prison and he didn't Uh think he was getting out. And he, he wrote down, he said, in my first defense, no one, no one spoke on my behalf. Everybody deserted me. I was completely alone. And then he said this, but the Lord was near, and he rescued me from the lion's mouth. In his darkest hour, the Apostle Paul was leaning on the stories of Daniel. That's why the church has given you these stories, because we will all face our dark hours. And when we do, remember the neon signs that God has placed in your life. And remember, we've been through it before. You're not the only one. You are never alone what the prophets are teaching us. As God makes no promise to keep us out of trouble. It just, just doesn't. But God will bring you through. We're here to worship the God who brings us through. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief.